0: African film. African film lovers and cinematic explorers, welcome to another episode of the African Film Podcast. Now, if this is your first time hearing about us, hi! This is a space where we explore the African film industry through the eyes of its practitioners. Now, a lot has happened since we recorded the first half of season two. One of the main things being the relaunch of the African Film Club that started this whole podcast. We had our first screening last week, which we'll speak about in a minute. But we've also started our own online series for the film club, where we have a bunch of film enthusiasts geeking out about African cinemas from topics like the most underrated African films to the most iconic film sequences set within the continent. So if you'd like to geek with us, do follow our social media, which is African Film, just like the way we spell it on the podcast, and get in on the fun as we set ourselves on this journey to really appreciate and explore African film. All of this has been with the great support of the NFBF and its PESP initiative. Now, our first guest of the year is a multifaceted filmmaker who's career began as an actor. In his time as a thespian, this man has racked up multiple SAFTA nominations and even an African Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor for his work in the Lucky Specials. His range has a simmering intensity that often imbues an endearing humor and humanity into it, with one of my favorite roles being his turn in Happiness is a Four Letter Word, but over these last few years, this man has transitioned behind the scenes to become what is, in my opinion, one of the boldest rising filmmakers this side of the African continent. His debut film, Pusher, Presser, Panda, won multiple awards at the 2021 Durban International Film Festival, including the Artistic Bravery Award and was our opening film for the live African Film Club because it's just one of my favorite African films of recent memory. I'm talking about the dynamic Richard Lukunku. How are you doing, sir? Hey,
1: I'm a great man. I'm um, really amazing. Thank you for having me on your podcast and hi to everybody that's going to watch this. <laughs>
0: Well, listen to it. We, we just put be, the tears, the the teasers will be visual, yes. but yes. So how's your day going? How are you feeling right now? What space are you in?
1: I'm in an okay space. I just got home from a dope dinner that I was having in celebration of things that we're hoping for, things that we are loving. So yeah, I'm looking forward to what's coming. I'm not putting my kids to sleep, but I feel bad, but it's okay. At least I'm home, you know what I'm saying?: <laughs> So
0: we actually technically curated our first African film club in a way around you, because in the one film you were the lead actor, and in the second film, you were the director. And so we had our first club conversation and screening. I wanted to actually get from you how you found the whole experience.
1: I mean, it was really dope, man. I haven't really attended a screening of PPP. So all I've ever heard of PPP was from like people that have watched it or people that were there when it was screening. I've never really been in the environment to feel the effect that my work has on people, you know? So it was really dope for me. Cause you started the thing and I was like really nervous about it because I was like, Imagine they like this it and they don't like it and you know, and I woke on and they're like, Oh shit, this guy's here. You know, that would have been like hectic. But luckily, you know, they didn't, they really enjoyed the film, you know. So I was really I was really blown away by that. Um I had a the discussion was good. Every everything that was said was what I had dreamed of when I thought about like, yo, if it ever goes to festivals or if it ever if I'm ever in a conversation, because I watch a lot of conversations, like my favorite directors, like their conversations when they speak about their films and they have audience interaction. And then if it goes well, I'm always like, oh man, you know, that's really dope. I, I can't wait for, for my turn. And I felt like this was my turn and it was really dope, you know? So thank you for, for having me on, on Saturday.
0: Well, thank you for coming. Uh, Hopefully, we'll be able to drop that full discussion as our own podcast episode on this thing so that other people can hear it because it was quite expansive, both from you and Solo and later even Layla coming in because they wanted to pull her in. With the African Film Podcast, we usually always start with the same question, and you can interpret this question however you feel, but what is your favorite African film
1: and why? yo bro like this is this is so crazy, you know I remember I have to tell you a story about this film because so that you can understand. I remember on Saturdays on s a b c two right when I was young, it was called is it yeah it's still called s a b c two so I think I was like in my teens, they used to have a special on Saturdays where they would screen African films right and then only give us the right b like much later so if the the springboks were playing at three o'clock. We could only watch it at like seven. The game would start at seven, but from like two o'clock till like six before the news, they just played African films. And I Ooh. remember watching Tukibuki, right? And it was like I sat with my dad, and I mean, the the film is amazing. You know, it's it's great. It's got its things and stuff like that that you can crit. But for the for me, it I was like totally transported to that world you know the visuals were amazing for me you know but i didn't know that i had watched it then much later in my life i watched it again i don't know somebody said oh there's uh check out job's film and whatever whatever and i went to watch his film again and i'm like i don't i don't understand why i know this <laughs> film like i know it from somewhere but i can't remember but only much later i remember that when we used to wait for the rugby We would watch all of these African films, you know, and then that was one of them. So, yeah, my favorite African film definitely goes out to to
0: keep I didn't even know SBC2 used to do that. When was that?
1: So that's like what? In the 1998, no, 98, 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, back in those days, you know?
0: So this is before I was even in South Africa.
1: I thought you were gonna say born, I was like, yo, am I that old?
0: I'm young, but I ain't that young. I'm, I'm in my twenties, so I would have been born. I'm in my.
1: No, I feel you. I feel, I'm just teasing you. Yeah, no, I, I was like, oh, am I that old? But yeah.
0: So in terms of with you, you have had an, a quite a varied interest within the film industry. You even said that you had studied film during the discussion. I just want to understand from you what your upbringing like and what actually brought you into the world of film before you studied. What was the thing which, were, which made you, whether it was acting, whether it was actual filmmaking, what was that thing that really pulled you into the field?
1: When I was young, in the Congo, we used to watch a lot of um, Chuck Norris, Van Damme. Steven Seagal movies, all these action films. And then what we would do is that we lived in a compound. So all the kids in the compound would play. There were like four houses in this compound. So they would play together. So we'd gather at the kid who had the video cassette and then we would watch the film. And then for the rest of that day, we would play out the film, like give each other like, um, so if you got to be Chuck Norris last week you, or yesterday, you can't be Chuck Norris today. You're going to have to be somebody else. And then we would play out the whole film, the whole film. We will play it out. I used to be able like when I was really like young, well, even like in my late now it's just that I don't care, right? But I could tell you everything. Like for if I watched the movie from the beginning to the end, I could tell you everything that happened in the movie. Everything that happened in the movie. That's how hectic we used to be about films, right? So then we'll play that out, act out
0: like I'm not quiet right now. You can't see my face. I'm quite I'm a bit specious, I'm just like putting that for context because I know you're kind I'm I'm yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. So, 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 yeah, that's what, that's what we used to do. But I remember, I think I was nine. I watched a, um, nine or ten, around about there. I watched a documentary about, um, Will Smith. I think it was a true Hollywood documentary.
0: Oh, the E True Hollywood story.
1: Yes, the, yes, the E True Hollywood story. So I had, I had an experience with Will Smith documentary and I was like to my mom, we were watching it and then he was doing all of his acting, movies were being profiled and his lifestyle, but they spoke about like, he was a millionaire at the age of twenty, and by twenty-one he was uh, broke and divorced. And then I told my mom, "I wanna be, I wanna be uh, like like that. I wanna do what he's doing." And then she was, "Oh no, life of an actor, no ways. Like, look, this guy got divorced. You can't do that. You're not gonna, you're not gonna do that, you know." So then I was like, "Okay, cool." But my mindset was always like TV, like I, I was watching like the, the guys that were able to transport me to their world and like make me want to be like them, make me do things that they're doing in a story. I would, I was always attracted to that. Then I watched bad boys and bad boys changed my life because for the first time, you know, I told you that I, I used to play Chuck Norris. I used to play Fandam. I used to play, um, all of these guys, but for the first I could play myself. That was Will Smith and Martin Lawrence and they were killing it. And they were black guys you understand know what I'm saying? Kicking ass, driving fast cars, and they were the good guys. They weren't like, he's good, then he does something bad, and then we have to forgive him. No, these guys were the good guys. They were just dumb cops that did stupid things. They, well, they weren't dumb cops, but they did stupid things. That was, that was, that was the... <laughs> then I, I knew that, okay, this is what I want to do. Robert Downey Jr., also in uh, Ali Bill also m- made me think that I wanted to be a lawyer, And I went, throughout high school, I thought I was going to do labor law. And then I remembered actually knowing it's that guy that made law sound dope because of his performance. It wasn't the law itself. So then I I took a gap year because I thought I was going to play rugby for the Springboks. Then that didn't really work out. And then I came to, I went to film school and I studied acting.
0: But I've always known
1: I want to be an actor. People will tell you how I used to perform. Like I used to perform for them. We used to drive from, Where I lived, it was a small mining town. And to go to school was like two hours away. And I used to perform for them, like play different characters from different things. My mom, to cheer her up, I would play roles from Easy Dingo, you know, and all of those things. So like, I think it was always in me. I just didn't know what to say. Like, what is this thing? When you say, like... I want to be like, that. what is that? You know, until you just... First, we called it starting for a long time. I want to be a starting... Yeah, then people are like, no, it's actually acting. You want to act. So, yeah, Uh, I hope I answered the question somewhere in there.
0: I'm also kind of within this picking up, like, you had a real love for action films. And that kind of very translates, I think, into the film language that you... Choose to embody as the filmmaker that you've now become. It's very much there, and also this very much playfulness that you like having in terms of just in your general energy as you talk, but also even within your characters. There's there's acting, but there's also that play that you kind of have because you're like you came in, and you're like, no, I'm I'm doing this to entertain people and to kind of on this road. So there's that kind of like playfulness about it that that comes from that pure passion of just wanting to like play. So now with acting, you now got into the industry and you've done amazingly in my opinion, but we, we all know that this industry is this industry. But at what point did you then actually decide that you wanted to go behind the scenes and actually wanted to start directing? And is this like the full vision for you in terms of where you want to be as a visual creative and as a performing creative?
1: I think that I've always been in love with stories, you know, like growing up, I grew up in a certain type of way with very devout Christian. So Christian upbringing, we weren't allowed to really watch like anything on TV and stuff like that. So whatever you could watch you would be stealing that time like making sure that mom and dad are asleep or you know that nobody's at home then i'll watch hercules and see the dragons even though at church they say dragons are evil you know what i mean so it was it was all that that type of vibe but i've always been in love with storytelling you know like I, i i used to rap Also, So that came from like rapping, you would always tell a story within your raps, you know. So even if you look at in film school at my treatments, like my acting treatments, so they would give you different categories that you had to sort of like explain like why you should play this character. And if you look at the backstory, I would give my characters such detailed backstories, the gang that they used to be in when they were 15, then they turned 17 and they left and they did this. And, because, and the reason they twitched their finger is because they saw something when they were eight. So my backstories were always like movies of their own. And I always try to like fit it in the film. You know what I mean? Like, I would speak to my friends, like, oh, listen, I came up with this thing in his backstory. So why don't we just bring it? And he's like, no, dog, it doesn't work like that. It's my script. This is what is going to happen. Don't come put your stuff into my film, you know? Um, so and after they gave you a choice, like in first year, you could do everything, right? And I walked to the cinematographer's, um, uh, and the DOP's uh, lecture, and they were talking about angles, and then I was like, no ways, man. I left maths two years ago. I'm not trying to come do geometry, nigga. What's up? Like, now we got to do geometry in film school? No ways, man. So then I didn't go to the cinematographer's class and I joined the director's class. But I, I don't know. Like I, I think that I don't like working in an environment where you have to follow formula. The freedom that acting gave you is that you had to be a thug, but you could play the thug in any way that you wanted to play the thug, right? And it didn't have, like, things that you had to follow. You had the freedom to express the thug the way that, as long as it was good for the story, it was small enough, big enough in, in, in places, or if you were to play the love interest, you had the freedom to do that. And I didn't feel like, in writing and directing, they gave us that freedom. It was very, like, you have to follow the formula. As a director, this is what you need to do. So that kind of, like, pushed me away from from that. So I blocked it. I was like, I'm... Um, I'm never gonna do this if this is how it is. So I'd rather just act. So I carried on acting. Then one of my girlfriends, I accompanied her to an audition at Sesani Studios, like probably my fourth year out of film school, third year, third year out of film school. And she, while she was in, a girl came in, uh, into, she, like she was in, doing the audition. Another lady came to sit next to me. And then she was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, I really wanted to speak to you about the character. Because like when she says this and she says this, I didn't, and I was like, "Sorry, ma'am, what's up?" And then she's like, "Oh, sorry, I thought you were the director. Are you not? Are you not the director?" They said the direct, and I was like, "No, I'm not the director." And she's like, "Oh, you look like a director. You should direct." I was like, "This girl, what is she talking about?" You know, boom. And then the industry shows you flames, and uh, you get tired of like playing the same guy on. This and that, you're the foreigner the whole time. I, I just didn't like, like being typecast. And I tried to play my characters as different as I wanted to be, you know. I wanted to be a South African. I wanted to play like a South African because I can speak to Anna, But I guess the opportunities to play South African, when the casting director sees you, they're like, ah, oh, but you're Congolese, man, you know. And they're not even giving you an opportunity to kind of like show them that you can pull off a, a South African guy. You know, like I'm more South African than I am Congolese on the outside. But on the inside, I'm Congolese. In my heart, I'm Congolese. I'm Congolese. To all the Congolese people, I am Congolese. Mwana Miku Mwana Anyway, so, uh, yes, yeah, is laughing. <laughs> I can't believe it. So, so anyway, uh, after a while, I was bored with, with the characters that I was getting or having to go audition for. I did a job and I bought a laptop. And when I bought a laptop, I started writing. Because I, I did writing in film school, but I just never went to the lectures. And I didn't listen because of the ETB structure. But 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 you should know the ETB structure. It's important for you to know what the world of story is about and what it takes to put a story together. Then you can break the rules. But if you don't know the rules, then actually there's no formula. You do what you want to.
0: Do. Yeah, because I I, um, I actually had a conversation. I was having a conversation. I think with Ziggy um, Ziggy global from Love about this. And He's in my in movie. Terms of Yes, he is. He is. Uh, Jereza. Uh, we are having a conversation about writing and formulas and structure, and I was of the opinion that all of these things are great to have, to understand story better. But I also kind of feel like with a lot of the people that I've met, sometimes if, if what you've been introduced to is this structure then that's kind of what all that you know. Whereas if you start writing and you find what your own voice is and then you hear about these structures, you're like, this is what it is. These are the things which I've been doing naturally. I can pull this and this from there and then we can have some fun with it. So it's good to know the structure, but I don't think it's necessarily something that you have to start with because then you don't kind of get to play.
1: I think it's easier to find your voice when you discover quicker without the structures and once you know like who you are, then you can put it into structures, you know, if you want to, you know. Because I started
0: writing when I was eight, and I didn't know the structures Bro, I when wrote, I was eight. I
1: wrote raps. My scripts were like raps. Then like, why is it rhyming exactly. so? Exactly. Why is your dialogue rhyming so much? I was like, oh, okay. Is it not supposed to rhyme? People don't rhyme when they speak. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Hey, tell that to Shakespeare. I
0: don't know. Like you can you can do whatever you want to do. It's there are specific that's also the other thing. Like there are different styles of writing that you can do. There's poetic writing, like there's different ways. So if you then start by saying the hero's journey or whatever it is, and this is how you should tell the story, you then, for example, negate all the other types of styles.
1: I agree with you. There are different types of of writings. And I mean, if the moment calls for it. It's just that all my scripts were rhyming. You understand what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) you know, all of them. Like my early ones, like everybody comes, hey, what it is, man? Yo, chill, man. Nobody speaks like that all the time. But yes, I I do agree with you. Uh, So then, um, because I got tired, I started writing. I started writing and then I went to, my friend has a production company. I don't know if you know Teboko, Tribal Media House. Yes, so I chilled there for a long time and I would just sit and write stuff. A lot of a lot of my... This PPP was born there.
0: Yeah, I also feel like more than half, if not three quarters of Tribal Media House just make cameos all over here. You just have to look and you're just like, oh, there.
1: Yes, 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 no, definitely. I also had to give them that, you know, because I was really trying to find my voice. I was becoming a different person. They gave me the platform or the space to be who I wanted to be. On different days like oh you feel like a writer today that's cool come and write you want to direct okay come and assist here and see if this is what you want to do you know so then i also directed my own stuff like i got a web series that i did uh, but i think it was just practice so that's in the vault like i don't know if anybody's ever gonna see that
0: are you talking about blank canvas
1: yes i know i know you but then i don't know if anybody else is ever gonna see it um but anyway so Uh, What do you mean? We
0: screened a whole episode of it. And and the crowd loved it. If you meet Richard in real life, tell him, put pressure on him to release and work on blank canvas because that pilot episode was so full as hell. I'm just, you know, I'm just throwing this out there in case there are other people because he's downplaying it right now. But that was a soulful show. That was a soulful screen.
1: No, no, yeah, it, I I really liked it. I just didn't finish writing it. I had eight episodes, eight minutes, all of them. The first one is sixteen minutes, and then the last one was also gonna be sixteen minutes. Then I wrote PPP there, and then I wrote a story called Dog Eat Dog, but a direct one, a famous director and myself. I don't think he liked it. I never thought he liked it once I written it, right? But that was like, it was amazing for me because I thought like, yo, I've really like upped my game here. So then I pursued to direct it. It became conflict of interest. It just became a bigger problem than than what it deserved to be. So then I scratched that. And then I ran into Leila in Durban, the Durban Film Festival in 2019. And then I was like, yo, I've got the script. It's dope. Can you please just read it? If you don't like it, it's fine. If you can't read it, you know, because I would also have been trying to send them stuff, you know, but people were like, yeah, we're going to give it to them. Or they're going to be like, yeah, we'll introduce it, introduce you to them. But they never sort of like did. And then when I got my opportunity, I was like, yo, man, I think I'm sick with the pen. Also, I also had sent it out to other people in the industry. So then I sent her the script and then she was like, oh, cool. And then she was like, "Okay, cool. I see what you're trying to do. Then she's like, I can help you out. Let me show you what to do. Then she showed me what to do, and then she produced it. Then I became a director.
0: So at what point then did Dick, is it Dick Devil's Ruben or Dick D-V-L-S-Z Ruben? It's Dick the Evil's Ruben. Dick the Evil's Ruben. So at what point did Dick the Evil's Ruben, when was he born, that
1: character as the director born? True story. I sent my script to a producer a big producer in the industry who I had acted for on many occasions. I sent it to him, and then he didn't read it. Then I sort of figured out that maybe people were not reading my stuff because of Richard, right? Then I changed my name. So Dick is Richard. Short for Richard is Dick. The evils, the dick, the evils, Reubin. You say it Reubin. It's a play on the Reuben. So then I changed the name, and I sent it to him. And he read it and he called me for a meeting. So then I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I guess he took me seriously because when he was like, Richard, I'm like, hey man, how, how are you? It's like, I'm like, I'm here for the meeting. Cause I also changed my email address. So I sent him the email. Then he called me for a meeting from my email address. That is the Dick email address. So then I was like, all right, cool. This is actually something that I can get away with just to get seen, just to step into the door. The, when I arrive, they can be surprised. That it's me but the work would have spoken for me before i arrived Do you know what i mean but i also like it i think also like dick is an experience for people that work with me and he's also like a he's an artist you asked me this question is this the fight Where no i see myself i used to express myself in terms of hip-hop and then i expressed myself in terms of acting and now i'm in the period where i'm expressing myself in terms of film but I believe that film is going to be something that I'm going to carry with me for the rest of my life, like making writing and directing my own stuff. I really want to write and direct my own stuff. And then I'm also going to do like performative art and like I take pictures and I, I'm going to do like paintings and stuff like that. I'm, 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 getting into that you know but for now it's the film and the, the artistry is coming in a little bit now but yeah so I think I'm just trying to express myself I'm just trying to be an artist and when I feel like I need to speak I, it's, it's either the medium of film that I'm going to speak through or the medium of, of, of art that I'm going to speak through or the medium of acting
0: so I was very intrigued by that anecdote in terms of you changing your name and then being able to to actually get a meeting. Do you think that that specifically was like a you issue or is it something that you feel maybe is an issue of actors trying to, not necessarily trans, because I think the transition into like producerial roles has been seen to be quite a smooth transition because that's more financial and planning and a lot of other things. But do you think that the transition from acting into the more writing side is one that's harder to do on a South, on, on South African scale? Or is it something which you feel was just something that may be unique to your experience? Yeah,
1: I think that, I mean, I can only speak for myself in terms of, because I know a lot of, I don't know a lot of my friends. I don't know an actor that has become a director. but I don't know what their experience was. But I think that because for such a long time, people were used to me as an actor. Do you know what I mean? Like you you, you act and you, in their opinion, whatever their opinion of their opinion of my acting is, especially the people that I wanted to produce for me. Also, I didn't follow the right channels. You know, like you go and you AD or you assist a little bit, then you ask to join the writing room, you know, like they train you. I just came through and I'm like, here, I've got a script I can write. So I think maybe for them, it was just like, ah, this guy he's taking chances. You know what I mean? But when they got the script from a name that they didn't know, like, what is this? Let me see what it is, you know? And then they started reading that. The image of me was not in their minds. It was the all of any other actor was not in their mind. It was just about the work. So this is the chance that I took for myself. And it's, so I don't know, but I also don't know if I would have wanted to direct under Richard, under, under Richard. You know, I think that Dick is like a, a point of access for me where I don't judge myself. It's like when I'm Dick, then, it's all about the work. It's not about trying to be dope or the work leads. It's the work that is the, the center. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's it's not anything else. It's like the universe or God or has placed something in my heart that I have to communicate. And then this is the medium through which I'm going to communicate. You know what I mean? No, I get it. I get it as myself.
0: I think now I have multiple names, even myself, because there's Yaz, which is a student, which is now... The podcaster and like the media person and then there's yalezo who's the writer because uh the people know who yalezo or wayne as the writer is and then i'm also now doing music and i've put that under different name because i want when that comes out because i've already done so much here now with Pusha presser Panda has been your debut film you've now you've now entered the industry as death and you are you're experiencing this right yeah. and of my opinion specifically on a south african perspective we have more um technical directors than we do have performance directors and if there is there are multiple things we can talk about in terms of all the things which i love about um pusha Panda, but the theatricality of pusha Panda is one of the things which really for me was something special to witness because you have your Spisong Lubes who's practically doing Shakespeare mm. and the same type like his character, you could throw him on theater and have him do that. And the same mm. sa- same exact frame that you have solomon Seko, who is playing a mute character and the same exact frame that you have, I just don't know the, the actor's person. name, but you have- not Tappeo, the the guy who gave her the who actually oh, showed uh, her where Carlo. to get the goods. Carlo.
1: I think his name is Carlo. Yes, it's Carlo.
0: Carlo. Yeah. So Carlo, um, being very much like a Mr. Bean vignette in the way that he approaches the story. So you have all of these different performance styles which are coming in. And it feels both orchestrated in a way that you're saying, Oh, the actor came in and we can work out this way. So the performance direction for me was really, really strong because there was so much going on. But at the same time, it felt like it was coming from your vision and it felt like very symphonic, which is to my, to my experience, not something which has, which we give enough care to. We give a lot of care to our technical, but our performance direction usually isn't like, the same so how is it moving from being the actor to being an actual performance director and what is your approach when you're actually now directing pieces what is your approach to both being within the set and all those types of things
1: yeah I mean for me I think that the I always felt like directors were not even you're right like I don't think the industry has allowed South African directors to be about performance, you know, because also we don't get an opportunity to really shoot that many films. Right. And then when you do shoot a film, you haven't had enough rehearsal time the budget is probably whack you know um you you gotta shoot these 16 scenes or these eight scenes or these five scenes in one day you you know you can't drop it if you drop it you don't know if you're gonna pick it up so if you don't know if you're gonna pick it up so how do you bring some elements from that scene into this this scene so that you can still communicate the thing so i think it's been very difficult but we were we, we were at our infancy like we were we were still young i mean there were great directors that were able to do that like you know the all the, the great directors that have had like dope films with dope acting but not for they fought for their right to be able to spend a day on the scene you know what i mean and then we and they've got they they already so they, they can do that so we coming in as as young guys uh it, it's very difficult the, because also, sometimes commissioning editors have their own idea about what performance should be or what a, direct, what a character should be like. Um, producers have their own ideas. So it's very rare that you find a producer or a, a production company or a team that are like, okay, cool. You lead the way. As, as How do you see it? And we'll follow that.
0: With commissioning editors, you're now talking about television. You're also talking about commissioned films. Yeah,
1: commissioned films. But even, like, even when you go into partnerships like, you know, the, the streamers, we're not going to name them. They have a lot of say in, t- in terms of like, no, yes, this is a drug addict on a rom-com, but it's a rom-com. So don't let him be too high. Or when he's coming down from a high, don't let him be too, you know, because it's a rom-com. So they have they have a lot of say, you know, uh, because it's the audience and they know what the audience wants. So, you know what I mean? So I think I'm very blessed that I'm an actor. As I'm writing, I'm literally performing all of these things in the different ways. Obviously, they didn't perform how I thought that, uh, how I had envisioned it, but what they brought to the table, who, who, what's his name, Zuzu, when he came, because I was like, yo, man, all these guys are also like they're in my mind
0: it's hyper reality because that's what i'm saying like all those different vignettes were very much like special like this is not these are real characters or these are characters that you can feel could be real but there are within your imagination of how you came at it and so it's definitely i get you because it is your imagination and also i think for me with the few times i've gotten to direct it's a very fun thing when you have at least, in my experience, the lucky times I've had when you've written something and the actor then brings you something that you hadn't thought about, but it's just like it changes something, you're like, "Ooh, okay, cool, this is a very interesting choice. It does something here that brings like a different
1: depth I agree with what you what you what you're saying. we're basically saying the same thing um so uh Carlo. Carlo was uh, Carlo's character was actually cut down it was much bigger in in the in, in in the script um and much bigger what we shot but it was cut down to that but he brought he brought some cuz I was nervous first of all cuz that's Duke you know like yo we I used to watch him you know in high school and in film school that that was Duke bro like Duke was the shit you know so then we didn't have an actor to play that role. I mean, we shot this in five days. We had cast most of the people, but then like, okay, cool. For That was a small role. I think he was just the colorful man in the script or the seer or the forteller. I can't remember what, what his name was. And then I was like, yo, we need... That. And then, then Leila was like, oh, let me ask Carlo if he's interested, if he, he could be interested. She calls him. We send him the script. And then he's like, yeah, cool. He's going he's gonna to do it. And then he came. And there's this shot where, I think the first shot we did is of him pulling his trolley into the that section of the dumpyard. And the way he was walking and whistling. And I was like, oh shit, that's Duke, man. And he's different. <laughs> you know, and, and and he's different. Because I didn't get to rehearse him or even spend time with him like, like how I'd spend time with all the other actors. We we sat down, we read, we rehearsed together. You know, we, we knew what we were doing when we got on set. But I hadn't spent time with Carlo, so when he got on set and he was walking like that and he was, oh, blah, 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 that's all him. So that feeling of me thinking that it's a vignette is kind of like it
0: is quite vignette-ish in the in the whole grand scheme of things because he was bringing yeah. an actual complete yeah, ju- just for
1: him, the rest is me, nigga. I'm joking, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. But yeah, but then it didn't make sense in the cut to have him. It didn't make sense. So so I took it out of the cut. But I released it one day like, you know, like I said on Saturday. But yeah, I man, I'm telling you, I had like I was having fun even though there was pressure. You know, I remember one day we shot three locations and there was a lot of pressure and we were at the plastic factory and there was a uh, the plastic, you know, when she runs through the, the the plastic factory, some of the guys working there didn't know that we were supposed to be there, and they charged us like fifteen grand for that. The guy that knew didn't come on that day, so we just walked in because you're not allowed to be there without safety jackets. Yeah, you're supposed to wear them. yeah the orange. You're supposed to wear them so that the trucks will see you. In case he doesn't see you, he'll see the reflection of the of the of the jackets because they're speeding through that factory, you know. So we out here shooting a chase scene. Villy is running with the camera. I'm running behind Villy. The guys are running, and I'm like, left, right, Villy, you go straight. Well, some big guy comes in and he's like, hey, what the hell, man? Da, da, da. And he starts shouting, and I was like, yo, this this is your moment, dog. Like you you can't like. Otherwise, we're gonna leave. Then I lost my mind. Then I'm yeah. like, you pay me my money back. And then he's like, who did you speak to? And then I didn't know the name because the production the production was at another location. We were on this location quickly as a small unit to shoot here, then to go back to the location. And I'm calling people like, who's the guy that we're supposed to talk to? I was like, hey, we're not going to move. We're going to carry on shooting. You guys go find him because we paid 15 grand. And if we leave here, you must give us our 15 grand so that we can pay another place. This Indian guy looked at me and then he's like, I'm going to get his name i'm gonna get his name and then he went then i'm like guys let's shoot we shot we shot quick got out of the location went across town to Maboneng to finish the stuff we dropped on the first day this was wednesday wednesday was probably the hardest day like we shot three three locations full the all the zuzu stuff in the building where he walks in he's looking for her the fight outside outside when she walk. when they walk and he he, he gives the guys money and she walks out. We shot that in the morning. Yeah. Then we shot the plastic factory in the afternoon. And then we finished the scene where she's cleaning her sister. She's cleaning her sister at night in that building. Because we had lost that. We, on, we only had one day in that building. So we didn't finish the stuff in that building. Yeah. So we had to go back at night and get people out of their place. Please, you just want to shoot here quickly. We do, 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 do. They, they go downstairs. We quickly shoot. We quickly shoot. And we finished it. But we made it, you know. So that um, it was really like fun. I I love being on set, like when I'm directing, when I'm when I'm directing, it's the best. Not when I'm acting. (laughs) I hate it when I'm acting, except like if I step on the floor on the floor, I love acting. But around the set, waiting in the trailer and all that bullshit, I hate it. Having to wait, getting direction from a nigga that's not really interested in the work. He's just trying to get, you know, get his, his salary. I've worked with some some homies that didn't care.
0: I'm saying, because right now, I, uh, so I'm going to bring it back again. Because I'm not saying, all. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Because it's a contradictory statement. Because before I was talking about, there are some directors. We have quite a number of directors. We have really great directors, don't get me wrong. But there's a great number of directors who just don't, like it's performance is the actor's job and then we'll just film it,
1: not. Because, you know, you know the other big thing, it's their passion. It's not their passion. Listen, this is our passion because you're writing your stuff. You're writing what you're directing. So it's an extension of you when you're not when you're directing something that you're not writing i think it takes a special kind of person to still have the love and passion for it and to like concentrate on every detail like no you can't be so angry here because we're gonna make you angry in that scene so don't be you know but when it's not your shit yeah just be as angry as you want (laughs) yeah great Then you're angry again the same way the next episode.
0: No, no, no. I I, I completely understand it with like... um. Don't get me wrong. There's places where I understand the television and specifically telenovelas. Because even as a writer in a telenovela, you can be on your idea that you are writing this storyline and then... Tomorrow t- they say no. Yeah, tomorrow they say no, or something happens um with an actor, or something happens in production or something happens in channel, and then the storyline that you had, that you guys were building, now they're saying, okay, so when can we wrap this character? And you're like, oh, now we have to close this. And at the same time, you also still have directors. When you're on set um for a telenovela, there's some days you'll have two to three different directors all coming in to direct their scenes all at the same time. So I understand that one, that because it's such a machine that has to keep going, it has to like keep moving, but I've still seen some of that on films. And as much as I hear you and saying that we don't have a lot of time, there's still little nuances that within that small time, when you're doing films that you can give and sometimes that is where I'm like, where I see, for example, because I've worked with some great um, directors who even within that time still take those moments to be like, okay, but okay, you're just a little bit loud here. We can be, we can yeah. be a bit softer.
1: Did they write that? Is this, no. is this stuff that they wrote or stuff? Published?
0: No. So for example, Timber, I've seen Timber do this quite, um, quite a number of times yes. and Timber doesn't write. Well, he does right, but the things that he's directing right. is yes, yes, yes,
1: yes. yes but Temba, Temba also is a is a passionate director. Like he's really for this thing. So a lot of a lot of the guys that are maybe let me not say a lot of the guys. Like there are some guys that are not for this thing. In terms, of, just like actors, you get actors that are really about the craft, and then you get actors that wanna have the different things that the craft brings without really working that hard on the craft, you know? And that's okay. You can you can be whoever you want to be. But I, I think sometimes I've worked with directors that didn't care. And then other times i worked with directors that really cared. And you can see it in the performance.
0: So the question... Of everyone. Yeah. So then the question which I had for you, how has, for you now that you're in the director seat, because I know, for example, I still see, I view... I'm, as much as I'm shitting on, I'm not even shitting on technical directors, I know that I'm not a technically minded person, since the whole thing that brought me into this was story and emotion and performance, I'm usually, that's what moves me, right? And that's how I kind of view everything. So when you started getting into the director's chair, what do you think acting kind of provided for you and the way that you approach directing?
1: I think a lot of things, but I can tell when somebody's playing with me. You know, like oh, when you say actor,
0: specifically actors.
1: Yes, when actors are, are, are playing with me. Um, wait, uh, let me try and, and, and answer your question properly. So I think I'm very lucky because also what acting does is that it gives you a sensitivity to the moment right? Like, if this scene, something is supposed to be communicated in this scene, like, you will... I don't know how. And I'm not saying, yo, dog, I'm only on my second film, but anyway, in the first film, I knew when when Tulu needed a push, when Vili needed to change, like, I felt it in my stomach, and I'm like, yo, I know this guy knows more than me, or I know that Mr. Nube has, has, Nube has acted for way longer than me, but this is not working for me. Like, There's something that is not right here. Uh, what is not right? And then I figure it out and then I approach and I'm like, okay, Vili, maybe the shot is not working because we are coming from that angle. So as this guy walks here, we need to go like this so that he seems this big and it's a threat because now we are thinking, yo, this girl who can't speak, she doesn't know which world she's in. She, so she couldn't hear that people were running her away. So she's on her own. And then if we don't make this guy and his work threatening and life-ending, like the Joker or like whoever that is... Like your worst nightmare, you know? Then I don't think it's going to work and it's just going to look like a, like a comedy. People are going to laugh at it as... Let their laugh be a nervous laugh instead of a funny laugh. Like, okay, cool. This guy is doing all of these things, but yo, he looks like he's going to hurt her. Oh, You understand what I'm saying? So I, I think... Acting has helped me a lot. I can't specifically say in every, in, I can't specifically say in which, specifically state for you in every way that it has helped me, but it's given me a confidence to express what I feel in the moment and a sensitivity to feel that a moment is not working. Because when you're acting, you know when i look it in your eyes and i say i love you and it, it didn't read well you know in your heart ah, that wasn't that 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 wasn't good so you want to try again and then you try again and you tell more truth and you tell more, so you are aware of that and i think on a bigger scale it's helped me on set to understand that you know but let me tell you something i was also in on my second movie like depending on who the actor is especially the older actors sometimes they can intimidate you But I realized that the reason why they want to intimidate you is because they're also scared. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're scared in this moment. So if they come off as like, no, man, but I would never do that. I'm not asking you to do it. It's your character that's doing it. It's not you, sir. You understand what I'm saying? So if we understand that this character is not you, we've already got the backstory of the character, how the character got to where he's going and where he's going. You understand that this choice is important. It's not about you. I understand you've worked in the industry for 50 years and you did this at the Joburg Theater and at the Market Theater. But in this moment, he needs to be like this. Even if it makes you look stupid, you, me, Richard, look stupid, The you're playing the character. Do you understand what I'm saying? But in this moment, the character needs to be this way. So it's not about how your fans are gonna be like, ah, when I no, let's try am la man. It's not about that. It's about the truth that you bring to the anyway. It's armed me. It's giving me a confidence, man. You know, if, if if you if I came into the game and I had done no acting, no nothing, and I just wanna write and direct. Also I had been on hectic sets before like difficult sets that sort of like prepared me because I would see how the director would handle this situation. This situation I would see how he'd do it Then I'd be like I-, I wouldn't have done that. You should have done this or you- my character should have done this. You know, Or oh, this guy it doesn't look gangster. He's dressed funny but you haven't been to Alex so you don't know that Alex guys don't dress like this. Inkabis don't come dressed in all black. They don't. They'll wear a Nike jacket, a white one and you know some of them you won't even notice like you just you know he'll be watching a taxi as you pass the next thing he pulls out a gun and he shoots you so like all of these things that we make thugs do the real thugs aren't even like that do you know what I mean? Like, they aren't even like that. So acting has, has, has helped me a lot. I owe a lot to the gods of acting.
0: With everything that's kind of going on, you've done press a Panda, press a Panda, then tur- not, not turn into Veresa. You did your second feature last year, which was Veresa, yeah. which to me was a very ambitious project. Um, in Um, terms of the amount of, well, actually, yeah, I feel like you and ambition are like,
1: (laughs) we are friends and I blame my lecturer in film school.
0: No, why are you blaming them? I think it's it's something which he
1: told me, he was like, Oh, I like your bold choices. Always make bold choices. Like if everybody's saying, go right, you should go left. And I was like, shit. You know, because I got top marks for that movie, for for acting in that movie. So I was like, yes, from now on, it's bold or go home. Do you know what I mean? So I had a lot to learn on Khareza. On I really love it. Um, with what... I couldn't believe that we achieved what we had achieved. It's like... And I didn't understand. I didn't have... Wait, 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 wait. To
0: before, before we get into that, can we... Can we just explain to the audience, it's currently available on Ivad, what Gereza
1: is? Yeah, I mean, Gereza is my second film. Uh, It basically translates to hustle. It's like, um, it's a a street slang for hustle. And it's basically about these three computer uh, geeks in, in the hood who commit a heist so that they can fund the cryptocurrency that operates in the hood but obviously there's much more to that than we think yeah yeah so you have to watch it it's also on amazon prime for the people who don't have evod but evod is free guys you know so you just get evod and, and you know you just be using your data
0: if you're on, if you're in south africa evod if you're not in south africa yes amazon prime or if you also have an amazon prime
1: um account yeah definitely yeah so i i mean it, i i really had a lot of fun on that set. I think on kharez I mean, on PPP, maybe I, I didn't, I felt like I was much bolder in terms of like what I wanted on khareza I spoke my mind. Like, yes, we couldn't get that, but I would be like, yo, man, this is what I wanted. So let's try and find a solution for this. I also hate not having a solution. I don't know why. You know, like I, I hate people. If you recognize a problem, that means that, You've been given, you also have the fact that you've got the ability to recognize the problem. It's because you've been given the ability to have a solution for it. So when you come to me, whichever department you're in, and you're just telling me about the problem and you haven't come up with a solution, I hate it so much because now I have to think for you. You understand what I'm saying, and I'm great at doing that. Like thinking, nobody can think better than me. I think I should enter the Thinking Olympics because my mind is always racing, right? But th- th- so then it frustrates me. But I, th- I think that I was I was operating on like a, Dick was on another level. Like I, I was I was one with the movie. Uh, Ricky died during the shooting of the film. I remember that day it was such a difficult day for me. But I was like, yo, like I can't believe it, man. Like this guy's gone. Like, you know, he's one of the guys that we saw coming from, you know, it was an after making beats, bruh. You understand what I'm saying? And being like, Yo, come to my flat, listen to the beats, man, you know. Then Ricky we could Rick listen to his for
0: beats. the people who uh, are uh, who may not know when he's saying Ricky Ricky Rick. Yeah. Yeah, Ricky Ricky Rick, yeah.
1: Like he was then you'd listen to his beats and then, you know. So then on that day, like I'm making my first film and one of our homies has gone in the way that he went. Oh, it, was, it was really difficult, you know. But it was like, if you look in the film, if you really look closely, there is a, an homage I paid to him. Because in, in, he passed away, then I shot the taxi rank scene. So in the taxi rank, I mean, in the taxi association scene, If you look at the shots properly you'll see you'll see the homage i I played i paid to him but but yeah it was it was great i think it was it it was definitely a, a big project now with the wisdom that i've gotten i don't think i'll do that to myself again in terms of like writing a big story when the budget necessarily i could have just like you know written a small smaller story then i don't think but everything happens for a reason it happened the way that it happened it was great at the
0: same time what i really enjoyed about it was um and it's something which i'm hoping we start getting more of is that you keep choosing very um philosophical um deeply philosophical um like texts to try and like unpack so even if it's about one thing there's like a whole other subtext that you're always trying to trying to throw and also tr- just trying to be you very much to me are tr- uh, are saying with everything that you're doing i want to be blockbuster art i want to be a blockbuster director you want to do blockbuster and you're not shying away from the fact that you want to do blockbuster. It, it i actually it want shows. to be an
1: art house director man.
0: that's block, but that's why i said blockbuster art so like Christopher oh. Nolan is blockbuster art. Oh, it's I still blockbuster, but it's, it's art. Yes, yes, it is. it's blockbuster
1: I art. I pray, I pray we get to that point in Sauda. Oh, in the world. Uh, like, yes, yo, nigga, thank you. I received that, okay. I received that, and that's who I'm gonna be.
0: Cause, but so with the way things are going, with the streamers coming in and all of these different opportunities, are you seeing that as something which? Because at the beginning of this conversation, you're talking about things that you might be celebrating which are coming. Is the tide since, um, is the tide over waves which is currently coming feeling like something which would allow you to show more of that side of yourself? Because I feel like there are also other directors who are starting to show themselves within, within those realms, who are starting to get opportunities. And I think that that's kind of a very exciting thing. And I do kind of feel like The next three years, actually, it's been like three, four years, we're going to have a lot of misfires. And then hopefully after those misfires. yeah. No, but the thing is, I'm saying we're going to have a lot of misfires because we're going to be trying, a lot of us are trying things. Since we have access to more budgets, there are things which are being tried for the first time and they're going to be tried for quite a bit. And then I feel like we're going to get to a place where a lot of, the younger voices that are coming in and even some of the older voices who just done one thing will kind of get to explore, but where within this ecosystem that you're now coming into as a young director, how are you seeing the space?
1: It's very scary, but also very exciting at the, you know, I think that I I just want to go away for a little bit, you know, like just to see how the international game is run and then i I'm gonna come back but i'm I'm really excited about it like I think that more than ever right i don't know how we can we can do this, but you're already doing it. the more we have like an ecosystem where films like PPP can be screened, like at your showcase. Then next week it's at another showcase and we make some dough. And then next week we had another showcase and they make some dough, you know, and we do those type of screenings where we create our own sort of like independent, uh, uh industry, I think we we need that now more than ever because everything on TV or on these um, on these uh, stream. In as much as I'm grateful to the streamers for coming, hey, eh, because they've opened the industry up. Now you can actually get employed like the whole year. You know what I mean? Like if you really want, if you're really about that, you know, you can get work the whole year, moving from this production to the next production.
0: Right now, I am under I'm under one and I've i'm kind of currently come to be being paid like i can't i can't come well there's things you can complain about but like yeah i understand
1: um where you're coming from yes but the dangers of that is that a lot of the stuff are gonna be the same right because the streamers know what the audience wants and then if something pops on a different streaming network then this streaming network is going to want to sort of like copy a little bit of that to be in your, mm-hmm. it, it, on, on your, so if you want to play the streaming game, you must know what you're getting yourself into. You know what I mean? Like you must really educate yourself. Like, okay, cool. Here, I can't be just like what I learned through Gereza. It, it, my word is not the fact fi- in PPP, my word was fine. Gereza, my word was not final. No. Do you know what I mean? And maybe I wasn't ready for that because i came from ppp and all of the other independent stuff i was doing but if you're prepared for that and you if you can if you are genius enough to understand the streamers understand the audience and still fit some of your your, your artistic uh, expression into the story that, that 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 makes everybody satisfied i think you you're setting yourself up for a great streaming career <laughs> but but if you're not And you still want to keep some sense of your artistic uh, expression uh, without the the opinion of of, of streaming net or the orders that you have to follow from streaming networks. I think that.
0: So then would you say it's more of an argument? Because I don't think necessarily the argument that you're bringing up, I don't think is a streaming argument. I think it's kind of more of a just general commissioning argument because you could say the same thing about television.
1: So the thing is that there's not much difference to television and streaming. It's the same thing. So when you will step into this streaming, it's either you pitching for a a original or you pitching for a partnership, right? So in the partnership, you don't have money to do your production. So the streaming network is going to find, to, to cash flow you. So once they cash flow you, whatever money they give you, they can dictate how your movie is going
0: to be yeah okay so i can't uh speak with uh, great uh confidence uh as as you are but i um i just want to reference something from an earlier conversation in the first season we were spoken to um triple a um and what he was speaking about in terms of moving within this current system is that it may be a good thing. There was a point in my life where I was was very anti-commissioning, but I feel like there's room for both. But the way he would talk about it is that he said, for even like Martin, I think he used Martin Scorsese, to do kind of like three films for them, you get that funding and you get all that stuff to be able to do that one for you. And the more that you do the one for you, you get to build your audience. Because once you show whatever it is that it is, because arthouse cinema, a lot of art house cinema is not meant, I shouldn't say isn't meant to make money, but you still have to build those audiences, right? So if you're building those audiences on those dimes and those audiences then show keep showing up for you, at some point, if that's your name brand and you have that type of buying
1: power, you can use that as leverage. No, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm just talking about you getting that one. That, that You know what I'm saying to you that you do three films for me, for them, right? Now you fitting yourself as an artist, maybe not you. I'm talking about people like me, or the, the, my mentality coming into coming into the game, coming into Gereza. My mentality was my way or the highway. And then I discovered very quickly. It is a five-way street. Exactly, when you, yes. When you... <laughs> that's what I was talking on. And then for me, I found it a little bit uncomfortable because I thought, because I wasn't I wasn't educated enough. I thought that all the greats, the guys that I looked up to, but they've worked their way to get to that point where they're doing what they want to do, right? So I thought that, ah, once I've arrived here, if this streaming network is giving me an opportunity, so it's going to be my movie that I'm doing. No, it's not. You have to, There are rules that you have to adhere to. There are certain things that you have to do that the streamers like, like, oh, you want your overalls to be black? no. The streaming network colors are red and green, so you're gonna have to make your overalls red and green. Do you know? From small things like that, you know. So, for me, I was speaking. for, For me, I don't know about anybody else. So that's what I was saying to myself. If I can, if I can understand the streamer and understand what the streamer's audience wants, right? And if I can work that out and still fit some of my artistic direction in that one film, because for me, I will feel like I've let myself down if I totally give in. It's like, and it's not about, it's like an underground rapper and a commercial rapper. You know, I'm trying to be Jay-Z. Still hold on to my underground, but make it dope and commercial enough to sell it. But he still held on to himself. If you listen to his old raps, he's still dropping dimes. Even though it's Shake Your Body, Mommy, he's still dropping like certain dimes that open your eyes. You know, so I still want to be there, but it takes a lot of work. To be that person that, that yes, the, my Enzege can come to me and be like, okay, cool, you're going to do this movie, this movie. And I'm like, no, maybe let's do it like this. Nah, bro, it's, you're going to do this movie and this movie. So for me, it was difficult. Now I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to be better. And, well, not better, but I'm trying to to adapt to the now changing Navigate the product, space. You know what I mean? like uh, And fit yeah. in. If I can, I hope that I can, so that I can. But otherwise, if not we've got the indie sector.
0: so where are you seeing i used to ask five years and then you know the pandemic then punched the out
1: of that question so
0: what does the next 18 months look like and where are you seeing
1: yourself going i'm acting i've got like a, a couple of acting gigs but there's a movie that i wrote during the pandemic it's sort of like uh because it was very difficult for me in the pandemic um well, i felt very claustrophobic it was um It was not a good time. And I need, so writing really helped me. I was busy writing another film, but then there was a blockage because I I couldn't see what was going to happen tomorrow. Like, it was the first time that I was like, what the fuck? Like, usually I can see, you know, the future, but this thing came from left field and I didn't see what was happening tomorrow. And I imagined somebody, I imagined a story where somebody didn't see, couldn't see where his life was going and caught up in bad things, how he was, he, he can get himself out of that, that situation. So um, times really haven't changed. So I'm adapting it a little bit. Like I have to go on a road trip uh, throughout the country because it's really like, a, it's the first, it's a, it's the first of a trilogy, right? But it's a spiritual sci-fi that's the the only spiritual action sci-fi it's got a lot of spirituality and it's action like it's tick tick boom from probably the second act so so that's what it is so i'm hoping to finish that script around about so i'm going to do these two acting things and then i'm hoping to finish that script around about september um Hopefully I can shoot it this year. And then if not, like I would, I just want to do art things this year. So if I can do like a lot of art things and then arm myself and then come back, because I think that movie needs a lot of art things. It needs a, It's very artistic. So I feel like I'm a, I'm a commercial art house director. So this is the first of the marriage where it's really commercial, but it's really art house. If I can get that... If I can get that right, I'll be very happy.
0: So your, your 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 the brand that you're going for, and I'm not using the word brand very loosely, is commercial art
1: house. Just for these just for these three. Then i then I'm I'm gonna do other things.
0: With you having had such a explorative career from acting to going into doing your own pilots the fact the mere fact that you've also done your own pilot you've done your own indie film you're now looking also into doing um photography and stuff as well as having done music videos you really within the last few years really explored your visual voice especially on a digital landscape so if there were If there were people coming up right now, or if you were to speak to like a 12-year-old version of yourself who was coming up right now, what type of advice would you want to give them as a performer and a visual creative in terms of how to kind of, if not find their voice, find their place into coming into such an industry as ours? Because I feel like the last 10 years have very much changed the game as to not just what the roots are, but how you can find your space and your voice.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I hate giving advice and stuff like that, you know, Uh, but I think that you have to do what you like and follow your heart. Um, I mean, like I'm, I'm still exploring the different avenues in which I can explore my art, press my art, but I think that you really have to, you have to do what you like, what you enjoy, and you have to push for that. If this, if somehow you find some joy and some purpose in making art, making films, acting, whatever you want to do in terms of entertainment, if you find some joy, then, you know, you at least on the right path and you gotta, you, you gotta try and get better, try and, train when nobody's looking so that when the opportunity comes, you know, you won't be found lacking, you know? So uh, I think self-development, self-love and self-exploration is the beginning of everything else. You know, you have no responsibility on this earth except for yourself at, at, at conquering. You have, you're not responsible to conquer anything else on this earth except for conquering or facing or healing or loving yourself first then you can do all these other things, you know? So
0: I see. And then um, I know you said you hate giving advice, but since we're still on this tip, with you, I think having a very strong visual voice, is there something, is there like a visual tip or, or like a directorial tip or angle that you just want to either caution people against or caution people towards
1: outside of, you know, following your voice? everybody should really learn the business like if you're a writer you should be able to draw up a budget you know like so that you can understand the line items and so that you it can even help you out when uh, writing a script and i'm specifically necessary no even for people that work for other people you know while you're writing let's say you you're writing on a series don't you know you got to know the limitations of the budget you know and try to be as as, as 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 to try and fit your story in a smart way not always just doing the 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 the, the, the common stuff like but just like in a smart way in a, a in 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 an imaginative way tr- you write your story that it can fit the budget you know but that, that you understand the budget you understand where money goes in 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 a production where you can save money, where you can make money, a profit for yourself. I think the business of, of, of filmmaking is what, is what we lack. Like. We, I th- we've been told to you, the creative, and that's, that's what you, you, you must do, you know, don't worry about the money, but it's very important to worry and to know where the money goes, you know, especially if you want to honest your own voice. If you want to be in control of your voice, you really got to know the money aspect of 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 things, you know. Otherwise, people are always going to tell you, "No, you can't do that. It's too big, or it's too small, or whatever, whatever." Because you don't understand the 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 where money goes and where money can be saved and how money can be manipulated, you know. So I think for me, like, don't get don't get uh don't get cheated, man. And the only way you're not gonna get cheated is if you uh, educate yourself and inform yourself about the. The business
0: so I think then, to add on to that to understand the business, don't be scared to do your own thing and do it very, very cheaply, even if you set a budget of five thousand rand it's that's not a budget, but it's still a really significant budget, and then you'll see exactly how quickly that runs out, or you'll see where it goes, how it goes, so that also when you're given a when you're given a bigger budget, you can then be like, oh." These are the things that we need. And, um, it also helps you. I think, even as I think, um, anyone on a looking to be on a creative head perspective, understanding the flow of money does make your understanding of, um, the process a lot better, especially in an African context where most of your opportunities and most of the jobs that you will have even coming into things will be heavily restricted. So ingenuity, knowing how to exploit that kind of becomes your beginning talents and the things which get you in to these spaces or to really make stuff, which then hopefully once the bigger places come, you're ready. You're, a, you're already a nimble person and being creative, um, with budget.
1: I totally agree with that that's exactly like I totally totally agree with that. I mean oh. it's difficult to, to 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 do a budget but but once you know you'll know, you be good
0: and with that, I think we are done with our season returner of African film with our very breathful and vibrant guest, Mr. Richard Vanku. Thank you so much for coming through because. We've had quite a expansive conversation, not just here, but with the Q&A, and with getting to see people really experience um, you as a feature film director, which was something I've been waiting to do for close to two years, so I'm happy we finally, like, got to see that and i can't wait to see what your next project looks like whatever that is you've teased quite the few. you've teased the trilogy you've teased a number of things but i really yeah i can't wait to see what comes of that um and if you want to watch some more of his content Kereza is available on amazon prime video and on Evod. yeah is there anything else that is available at this point in time
1: uh, not really. Um, it's just Fereza uh, and then all of my acting stuff. But otherwise, yeah, as a director, it's just Fereza. PPP is coming to a screen near you in the near future. But yeah, I'll make an announcement and let people know whether they'll be able to catch it. But yeah, thank you for having me, man. I had a wonderful time. Thank you for the screening and everything. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it and I really, really appreciate uh, everything that you've done, Machi. Thank you, bro.
0: Thank, and thank you, sir. Uh, I, I, I appreciate those kind words. And that has been episode five of season two of African Poem.